What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you find all of our newest content on the baseball side, podcasts, articles, polls, all of our news and notes, updates on the site, literally everything that we have baseball content-wise, you do find over there at Ethos Fantasy BB. If you guys are not on social media or you don't use it as much as you might have uh, used it in the past, you guys can go to sportsethos.com and you get all of that same great content over there. Now, I kind of lied a little bit yesterday. If you saw the title of the show, maybe you're a little bit confused. We're going to do one more steamer show. We're going to look at relief pitchers. I was going to go back to the position reviews slash previews, kind of doing a little mix of looking back on players position by position, talking about their 2023 and also looking ahead to 2024 a little bit. We have been doing that. We've been on a bit of a pause from it, and I was going to get back to it today. But I figured it made sense to do one more show regarding the steamer projections. We've talked starting pitchers, and we talked the whole batter pool, the whole player pool, essentially, at that point, except for relief pitchers. And I was going to go, you know, just go over it and not talk about it, just skip over it, I should say. But I decided that I think I should do a show on it uh, to do it justice. It is an important part of fantasy, and I think it is deserving of a show here. It's not going to be the longest show, but there are some things that I did um, notice while looking at these relief pitcher projections that I think are worth talking about a little bit. So let's start off with the actual save numbers. Who is projected to have the most saves? And the guy who is at the top or tied for the pole position is a guy who didn't pitch last season at all. That's Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz and Camilo Doval are both projected to have 35 saves. Edwin Diaz has the best projections for any closer. Uh, he is just shy of having the highest strikeout per nine average in terms of the projections here, and he has the highest actual strikeout percentage, for those of you who like to use that metric. He is projected for the third lowest ERA, and they do have Felix Batista in here, who is not going to pitch next year. Uh, They just have him projected for one game, one inning. I'm really not sure why, but he is one of those players who is projected a little bit better than Diaz in terms of the ERA. The only one who is actually projected better in terms of ERA is Joan Duran. He has some really nice projections himself, but a 263 ERA leads the way. Diaz coming in second there. Diaz is going to be a very interesting case. A lot of people are going to trust him, and they're going to draft him pretty high up because the last thing we saw out of Edwin Diaz was a brilliant season. And there's not really much of a re- reason to think that he wouldn't have you know, kind of repeated what he did uh, the previous year had he not got hurt in 2023 at the World Baseball Classic. But he's also been somebody in his career who has been kind of inconsistent. We've seen some great years, and we've seen some really terrible years. 2019 was awful. 2021 was not awful, but not amazing. 2022 was really the standout year. You can go back to 2018 as well, and he was excellent in his last year with Seattle. But 2022, he was incredible with the strikeouts, with the ERA, with everything. Now, he has been somebody who's kind of gone hot year, cold year in his career. If you look at the ERA is going back uh, to 2018, you're looking at 1.96, 5.59, 1.75, 3.45, and then 1.31. Now, 3.45 is not a terrible ERA, but for a relief pitcher for your closer, it's probably higher than you're hoping for. You're generally with your closers hoping to have an ERA below three. It's not a huge difference, especially considering they don't make up a ton of volume, but it is something. Now, I don't know... If this is anything to read into, 
Probably not. It might be just one of those things that we see. It's an Aaron Nola even year kind of thing. Again, we've talked about that a little bit over the course of the last couple of years. We've mentioned it, and a lot of people have talked about it. Aaron Nola's stats in even years are really good. In odd years, they are terrible, and it's kind of been the same thing with Edwin Diaz. So I don't want to read too much into that. Maybe he will just avoid that altogether because it's going into another even year, but he did miss his last chance of pitching last year in the odd year. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but he has, regardless of what the year is, kind of run hot and cold, and you haven't been able to have that assured consistency necessarily every single year. Like, he'll get you the strikeouts. The strikeouts have always been there, but the blowups have also been there uh, for Edwin Diaz. Just as recently as 2021, it was not the greatest season for him. So after missing an entire year, I'm not sure I want to be pushing him up terribly, terribly high. I'm going to pull up the early ADP numbers and just see where he is going exactly. If you're just looking at the projections, they're very good. But I think we also need to be a little bit careful because he is coming off of an entire year missed. Yeah, he's going to be kind of fresh. Sure, you can make that argument. But his ADP is 48. So he's going at the back end of the fourth round if you're talking 12-teamers or in you know the early fourth round if you're talking a 15-team league. It's a little bit high for me. I think you know there's still a lot of consistent closers that I would trust farther down the board we saw this year in 2023 a lot of closers that were drafted fairly early like high draft pick capital they returned roughly that same kind of value it wasn't you know exactly the same across every single closer but for the most part if you drafted one of those chalky top 100 closers I mean you pretty much got what you paid for Ryan Helsley is the only real exception coming to mind and that's because he got hurt and once he did come back he was excellent and the price on a guy like Ryan Helsley isn't really reflecting how good he is. He's going to go you know, much, much later than a guy like Edwin Diaz. And I think the skills difference is obviously there. Like when Diaz is on, he's better. And these projections are probably going to lead more people to want to push him up. But I think we got to kind of be careful as well, uh, just given everything that we do know about Edwin Diaz. Now, where I do think these numbers are more valuable is in terms of the rates, the rate stats, the strikeout percentage, the walk percentage, what they expect left on base, BABIP, you know, whip numbers to be. Those are the numbers that I really genuinely look at when I'm talking projections uh, of anybody, right? It's not just pitchers. If you're talking position players, I will tend to look more at the projection of batting average, of on base percentage, of those kind of stats, because I think that the computer does a lot better job at kind of giving us those projections than maybe we would. Where I think you can adjust is in terms of your volume, and I think that's something that comes into play when looking at the closers. But it does come into play when you're talking about anybody. If you see somebody projected for 120 games and you think they're going to play 150 games, then take the per-game stats and multiply it by the number of games you think the the guy is going to play. Uh, I think that's the way to do it. Now, in terms of the closers and the save numbers they're projecting, it seems like they're kind of on the higher end in terms of what you can actually expect. So they're projecting 14 closers are going to have 30 saves. It's kind of a lot. Last year we saw 12, so it's not like a massive stretch, but that's a pretty high number uh, to achieve when you're talking that many closers with 30 saves. They're projecting 26 closers are going to have at least 20 saves. Last year, we just saw 23. So they are kind of expecting an increase generally, and I don't know that we can necessarily expect that. I think this is a situation where you look at the, like I said, the rate stats. You look at the per-game numbers, and then you kind of multiply from there. A lot of these closers, they have pitching in a lot of games, like close to 70 games for most of them, which 
it does happen. Like you do have closers that are generally like the 60 kind of game numbers. Um, but I think that they are kind of generally projecting too much out of these relievers to the point where I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to expect this kind of lofty return uh, on my investment, right? If you're talking closers that are getting a lot of saves, you're getting like not really many of them are pushing past about 60 or so innings pitch. Just looking at the save leaders from this season, you're getting a couple guys that were pushing like upper 60s and low 70s, Classe, Bednar, Doval, Alexis Diaz. Most of them, though, are kind of in the Devin Williams, Jordan Romano, Josh Hader, Rizal Iglesias range of like 55 to 60. And yet we're seeing these guys projected for like 66, 64, uh, a big increase, like a, a pretty sizable increase that we're seeing projected here for a lot of these closers based on Steamer. And I'm honestly not 100% sure historically how good Steamer is with relief pitchers. But in general, I don't think you can look at what they're projecting for these guys and really take too much of it to heart in terms of your volume stats. The wins for relievers and the loss numbers, Every pretty much every single reliever is projected out of the, the guys that you're going to be relatively interested in for fantasy. They're all projected for four wins and three losses. Pretty much every single one. If you're looking at the losses, nobody's projected for more uh, than, I believe, five losses. Let me just get the page. Yeah, it's five is the absolute most that any reliever is projected for. And obviously, you're going to see some get more than that, right? Most of them, only, in fact, 14 relievers are projected for four or more losses. So that is where you're talking pure speculation and guesswork. I'm sure there is you know, method to the madness. But I don't think you guys can look at those particular numbers in the projections and take really anything from it. In fact, with relievers, I don't know that they're like we will have to do it, but there's not really much of a point in projecting wins and losses. And saves are also another one where you can kind of project a little bit better, but still you'll get guys on terrible teams who have a ton of saves. You know, David Bednar had 39 saves this year for a terrible Pirates team. I know that they started off the year pretty well, but they won 36 games. He saved more than half of their games. That's not something that you can predict to that degree. Uh, you know, Josh Hader not pitching so much down the stretch. There were times when you thought he was going to come and he didn't. Only 56 innings, but still 33 saves that Josh Hader got. Kyle Finnegan pitching for Washington, 28. Carlos Estevez, despite how brutal he was down the stretch, still gave you 31 saves. There is more randomness that goes into the closer relief pitcher position in fantasy than there is in any of the other ones. And that goes, not saying a lot, because fantasy itself is just super, super random. You can project certain things, and you can you have a pretty decent idea that something's going to come true. But at the end of the day, we really don't know at all what's going to happen. Within a certain degree, maybe. But with relievers, especially, you can't really go too far as to project individual numbers in terms of the volume stats. You have to look at the rates that they're projecting because that's where I think they're pretty accurate. You know, I think if you're looking at the strikeout, the projected strikeout leaders, and you look at those kind of numbers, um, the ERAs and the FIPS that they are projecting, like that's where I can get behind using these for relief pitchers. But in general, I think you got to be really, really careful about putting too much stock into those volume stats and into the numbers in general 
for your fantasy purposes if you are just using these projections. There will be more that come out, and we'll evaluate them on a case-by-case basis. But I don't, at this point, think if you are going into an early draft, you need to be looking at this and saying, well, Steamer's projecting 35 saves out of Camilo Duvall, so I'm getting 35 saves out of Camilo Duvall. There are certain things you can look at with certain projections. You know, they're projecting a, you know, 40 home run season out of so-and-so. If it's somebody that, you you know, perennially hits 40 home runs, then that's where you have a lot of stock in the projections. But I don't think you can do it so much with the closers. So let me know what you think. If you have any questions about this, I'm happy to chat because I'm always looking at these and talking um, baseball around. I mean, there's no one to talk to in my house anymore. It's kind of sad now leaving Arizona. There's no people just randomly sitting around you that are open to talk baseball at any given time. But I'm here. Uh, if you want to message me or respond to anything over on Twitter, it's at JoeOrico99. Also, at EthosFantasyBB, of course, and SportsEthos.com is the website. Tomorrow, we will get into second base review. I promise we will be doing that. But until then, everybody, take care. Have a great night. And cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.